Hello there, everybody. This is Danny Anderson welcoming you to another episode of the Sectarian Review podcast. No music this week. Uh, this is sort of a quickie turnaround thing. And uh, so you're going to have to bear with us. This is a decompression episode, if you will, uh, from a Batman conference that I was very fortunate enough to attend uh, and record a panel with uh, Chris Maverick uh, from the Vox podcast. Chris, how you doing? I'm good. Hey, hello, everybody. Longtime friend of the show there, Chris, and Coyle Neal, uh, or shall I call him Neil Coyle? Um, Neil Coyle. <laughs> <laughs> of the City of Man podcast. How's it going, Coyle? Uh, it's going well. How are you, Danny? I'm good. Um, that's an inside joke. Um, they had Coyle's name backwards in the program and on his name tag. For uh... <laughs> Did you get reimbursed for that, by the way, since I had your name wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, 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 yeah, they, they gave me a full refund. Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, so Coyle and Mav and I were on a panel about Batman and whiteness, and uh, and more specifically, the lack of whiteness or the lack of anything but whiteness. Excuse me. In uh, in Batman, and uh, you can hear that panel if you go to either the City of Man podcast or the Vox podcast, and. I'm hoping you subscribe to both of those. So maybe download them both to help pad their stats. Uh, listen to them on one. But uh, that was a fun panel to be part of. Um, but joining us at the conference doing his own thing was Matthew Brake of uh, Pop Culture and Theology. Great friend of the show as well. Matthew, how's it going, man? So much grading. So much. <laughs> so much grading. Why do they put conferences at the end of the semester? Like. <laughs> It never makes any sense to me to schedule these things at the worst time to go to them. And so it's either at the very beginning or the very end. And uh, Matt, yes, they're, they're Matt cruel. and I both did one next week. We we were both at uh, PCA the week after Batman. And it's great because everybody's walking around and, and, and literally everyone there is just like, oh, there's so much to do. Just, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I'm going back to my hotel room and great papers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's kind of a nightmare, actually. But um, I do, I'm really excited to talk. There was a really fun conference. Um, I hope I'm not alone in thinking that. And, and I really appreciate the folks over at Bowling Green um, State University uh, in Bowling Green, Ohio, for, uh, for putting this on. It was in honor of Batman's 80th anniversary uh, as a character. And so it, many... A great variety of uh, of panel presentations, special speakers, and all kinds of other really nifty nuggets. Um, I, I want to just sort of recap it and hit some highlights for each of us because there was a lot going on there. Um, but before I do that, if you guys could indulge me real quick, um, I you know you might know if you listen to the last few episodes, I'm going to take a little couple month hiatus from publishing new shows in the summer unless some emergency episode comes up for some reason. And uh, in doing so, I'm hoping that you all take the chance to get caught up on older episodes. Don't like uh, neglect to keep in touch with the show. I've actually just recently been contacted by a couple of listeners. Liam um, sent me a, a really nice, uh, you know, thanking me for the show thing and recommended a book series for me called The Vor, V-O-R-R-H by B. Catling. It's a sort of sci-fi thing. And my copy actually just showed up today. And so I'm uh, excited about this. If for no other reason, Tom Waits writes one of his uh, one, one of the uh, uh, endorsements on the back. I am glad to have the book as a companion on my own dark quest. And so um, uh, Liam thought that we should uh, do an episode about this trilogy. And so summer's coming up and I needed something cool to read. And, uh, and I bought it and I'm very excited doing that. Um, if you have any ideas for us uh, for next season, then by all means, contact us. And, and I also wanted to give a shout out uh, to another listener who wanted me to uh, not use their name um, if I uh, read the email. But this person, in addition to giving me a couple of really great um, show topics to consider, one is about hypnotism in uh, in particular, uh, in particular in the way it's used in movies. And, and I think it's a really interesting uh, subject to consider. And I'm actually wondering if there's some sort of residual Freudian hangover that's uh, responsible for these uh, <laughs> hypnotism plots in uh, in movies from about 20 years ago or so. And so um, I'm actually going to kind of go back and look at these movies and, and wonder uh, and, and look into that. But he also turned me on to a, a web series, a YouTube series that I had never heard of called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Are you, are you guys aware of this? Um, he wanted me to look at it uh, as gothic fiction for the internet age. And I sort of subscribed to the channel and it looks very weird and very cool. 
this is what I love about doing the show is uh, you guys give me great ideas and um, expand my own mind. And the person who suggested this um, really said some very lovely things. Um, and uh, if I can, I don't know, I feel almost self-serving in reading this, but uh, I, it made me tear up. It was so lovely. Um, I am a big fan of your show. Though I differ from your political perspective quite a lot, you present your ideas with such depth and clarity that I'm required to think more deeply about my own views. I also admire your graciousness with your guests. I'm relatively new to the Christian faith, and I have a somewhat argumentative personality. Taken together, (laughs) I have been in great danger of alienating people from both myself and the Christian faith. Listening to the way you talk with your non-Christian guests has helped me to reorient myself to my non-Christian friends and family, such that I am learning to speak with grace and love. I don't know how he gets that from listening to this show, but I'm (laughs) so grateful. And honestly, that is kind of like the highest ideal that I could aspire towards. I I do consider this a big tent show. I mean, I got coil (laughs) on all the time. (laughs) That was super nice. If you want me to balance that out for you, I can. (laughs) Yeah, we Uh, we can just say hateful stuff about you if it helps. You know? (laughs) Yes. Um, It's not so much the, the... uh, the compliment towards me personally that I'm impressed with the, the show is doing what I like it to do. Um, I, I, I like it. I think I conceive it as a way for me to, to open up a conversation with a, an awesome variety of people and, uh, kind of break down some boundaries and, and just sort of tackle what's great in life. And so, um, I really appreciated that email. If you have something to, to say good or bad, um, please do let me know. I'm more than happy to, uh, um, uh, to read your email and respond. Somehow this person got my personal email. I don't even know how he found my, that, I don't know how he found that email address. Um, sectarian review at gmail.com is the canonical one, but if you're, uh, I guess crafty, you can find me in other places as well. Um, but that aside, um, please do keep in touch, even over the hiatus, listen to the old shows, tell us what we're doing wrong, tell us what we're doing right. And, uh, take part of the conversation. This is, uh, what makes it all meaningful for me. So, um, back to the topic at hand though, fellas. So April 12th through the 13th at Bowling Green State University at the, uh, Jerome library, um, there was a really a great collection of panels. Um, um, the, before we start talking about kind of highlights for us personally, I know that um, Matthew and Chris and I um, went to the 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 live the uh, special collections, the pop culture special collections, and I think that's one that we should maybe start off at. That's our kind of a gem. Um, Matthew, do you want to? Uh, you were like super impressed by that, and then we'll move into Mav. I don't know if Coil, you saw that or not. Were you able to get a tour of it? I didn't get the tour, but I saw the stacks. Yeah, yeah. The tour is, is quite amazing. Um, Matthew, do you want to like reflect on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was actually really impressed by Bowling Green. Like Until this Batman conference, I'd never heard of Bowling Green State University. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should have. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But I, um, you know in terms of what I do pop culture wise, like they have a master of arts program in popular culture. Um, they have this, uh, huge archive of pop culture materials. And so we, a bunch of us went on the tour. Um, and you go in and there's like this initial sitting room and then they take you back. And actually, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff is boxed up because they have just, um, boxes and boxes of, everything from old TV scripts to comics to mail order magazines to old movie posters. And in fact, I saw a revenge of the Jedi poster. And so I snapped a picture of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They have uh, this huge section on romance of romance novels. And apparently writing on romance is in right now. Mm. Um, And they were just talking about how, you know, a lot of these collections come from people who've collected a lot of pop culture materials over time. Um, but it's really impressive, like stuff that, you know, I mean, we've probably thrown away as much stuff as they've collected, uh, each of us individually over time. Just think about all the mail order magazines you've ever gotten in the mail or your parents got in the mail that are just now rotting in a trash dump somewhere like they have them there. And by looking at them, they're able to look back over these periods a very immediate popular culture where certain conversations were going on that have now been forgotten. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was really impressive. They have a lot going for them there. Yeah. Mav, what's you, you did nothing but snap pictures. Um, I thought you were going to yeah, get yeah, arrested looking, or something. <laughs> yeah. As, as he was talking, I'm looking back over the, uh, the shots that I took of it. So it's still, I never would have thought about it, but as silly as it is, the JC Penney's catalog collection that you were just referring to, it's like, <laughs> Hey, 
I mean, but that's a cultural relic. And if I if I were doing the right kind of book, I can see myself. Let me just sit in here and 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 look at what the little black dress has looked like always, you know, over over all time. And you could do that because they've got the complete collection of, you know, JCPenney catalogs from the turn of the century or whatever. There's a doll collection and the you know, I posted all of these to Instagram and to me and I knew no one would get it except for like my very, very geeky comic f- friends. But I was just taking pictures of lots of stuff. I, too, have the Revenge of the Jedi poster um, <laughs> picture. As I was like, that, I, yeah, that's cool. But the one that I knew no one would get, um, and it, it was mostly there for um, Wayne Wise, who's my co-host on my show. Um, there's a there's a picture of just one of the boxes. You say, um, As they both pointed out, a lot of the stuff is just in boxes because it is so old and so precious that you're not allowed to like really touch it. They just, if you need, if you need it, they go and they get it for you. And I assume you, you know, look at it with white gloves on in a room with an armed guard or something like that. I don't know, <laughs> but they had, um, they had one box that says, I, and I'm looking at it now. It's, um, it's library collection and it's got the, um, the library of Congress number PN 6720.1.D952, P76, Volume 1, Number 5, to PN 720.1E283, F24, Number 90. And it just, and then the box below that said, below that it says, Project Superpowers and Famous Funnies. <laughs> These are comic books. Nobody cares what Project Superpowers is. I assure you, you don't care. Famous Funnies is the first American comic book. Literally the first American comic book being able like I didn't get to touch it because it's in that box, but but standing next to it, yeah. <laughs> you know, just standing three inches from it. I realized that is worth more money than I've ever made in my life. <laughs> 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 it's just it's just this box. Um, and it's not true. Like, um, I mean, I didn't I don't know what condition it's in, but the if they have a horrible, really bad garbage copy it's worth $50,000. Yeah. If they've got a pristine copy, we're talking in millions. Yeah. It is. I mean, that is a, that is a ridiculous treasure of a, of a thing for something that was, I think the first issue, I can't remember was either, it was either a free newspaper insert or it was like two cents or something like that. But it's, but you're talking about a comic book, you know, and it's not a story like we think of comic books. Now, this is a collection of newspaper comic strips stapled together into a book that was released 100 years ago. And it is, you know, it's just it's literally newspaper, you know, Sunday comics in full color in a book. And there's no other place that I've ev- I could even think of to be close to one, mm-hmm. much less be able to do research on it. So that was that was amazing. That was the highlight of that room for me. We probably just inspired just a heist. Cool stuff. There's probably some nerd <laughs> yeah, heist that's yeah. going to happen now. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, and that's just a drop in the bucket, though. Uh, there are more disposable things like the 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 romance novels. I mean, for me, are disposable, but apparently, it, it's a, it's a major uh, uh, point of collector's uh, interest. And mm-hmm. and if I'm writing about gender, though, like uh, throughout the 20th century, then that would be an invaluable. Um, archive for mm-hmm. me to to peruse right and, and so I think that what they do um, the work and effort and the organization that they put in to that library is, is just remarkable and I can imagine my myself going through their catalog and trying to find some things in uh, in future work that um, I would really love to use it was a it was really a pleasure to get a kind of behind the scenes tour of that really kind of amazing resource and all centered around that that masters of pop culture studies um, that Matthew was talking about. Yeah, it's a really great um, resource. Quill, did you you didn't get a chance to see it? Uh, well, yeah, not not all of it, but uh, uh, even so, what uh, what I did see of it, <clears throat> and kind of hearing you guys talk about it now, I, I do get to kind of have the thought and feeling that I don't often get to have. That goodness, you guys are a bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. We, uh, we, we, we can't deny it. We can't deny it. So, um, so that, that's a, a, a highlight of the, of the institution that we were able to get access to. And, uh, and it was really generous of them to actually open up a second day of tours of that because there was so much, so much interest in doing mm-hmm. so. The, the librarians were really, really gracious about that. And so if you are, uh, interested in that kind of work, then 
be aware that that is a major resource for you. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and head to Bowling Green, Ohio there. If, if you think Bowling Green, Ohio, eh, why should I go there? There's an amazing restaurant with, uh, with <laughs> incredible cheese sticks there. What were those? What was that place called? Goyle? Oh, what was, that was, uh, <laughs> Campus, Campus Poly Eyes. Campus, Campus Poly Eyes. There we go. It, uh, yeah, free free shout out to those guys. I couldn't finish my meal in two days, and so it was uh, it was an incre- <laughs> it was an incredible deal. So um, I actually I actually got to hang around the town a little bit. Like the town itself is really cool. Like it's this college town, literally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there's my mom nothing. Went to college, actually, <laughs> what's yeah, that? Nothing there. My mother went to college there, so she was like, "You're going to Bowling Green?" Like, yeah. There's nothing there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's nothing there. But the town itself has a lot of cool. Like, I was looking and yelping, and I spent Sunday kind of going around. Like, there's some cool spots there. There was this brewery that I went to with Josh Wise on uh, Saturday night. We grabbed, uh, well, I grabbed some brewskis. He drank water, um, which was cool because I got to drink more brewskis, and so. Um, <laughs> But it was, uh, I mean, they had some really good stuff there. Like, I forget what it was called, but I'd give them a shout out too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a college town in every sense of the word. I think it, what is it? Mac conference. And so they've got the big football and uh, basketball arenas and all that kind of thing. So, um, the university itself, quite impressive. Um, and, uh, let's get into the, the details of this really, um, just wonderful conference. I, I really had a, a wonderful time, not only because I got to meet you guys in person, uh, I've met Mav before in person, but you know, Matthew and Coyle, I'd never met before. Uh, and so that, that was awesome. But the conference itself uh, was, was really great too. Um, let me start with uh, Matthew then. Uh, what kind of stood out to you as a highlight for you of the, of the academic conference itself? Yeah. Uh, well, the first thing that sticks out was how tired I was on day one because I drove <laughs> seven hours the day before. Like Friday in some ways, it wasn't entirely lost, but like, I definitely spent half the day at the conference and then went home or to the, my, to my bed bug infested hotel. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> no names, please. <laughs> yes. I think, um, I think that the two, uh, talks that stuck out or the two, two of the people that stuck out to me the most were the, were the creators themselves, Dan Mishkin and then Mike Barr. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Dan Mishkin was interesting because he he spoke up at in one session. I think it was one of the first sessions on Friday, talking yeah. about uh, when when you had these people analyzing the theological and philosophical content of uh, comic books. He's like, guys, none of that is intentional. Like <laughs> these guys are on, on a deadline. They're trying to get stuff done, and you know, there's a sense in which it. it some of this stuff comes naturally out of them. Like if they've read Dante, they may might not intentionally put Dante into their work, but they're not like crafting it that intentionally because they're on a deadline. Although I, I did ask, I did push back a little bit. I think that's generally true. I did ask him when you have certain like savants, like Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, Grant Morrison, you know, all of those, you know, especially someone like Morrison, who's like the DC universe is alive. Like, yeah. Um, I did ask him about that and he, he didn't really necessarily have an answer for me. And then, um, and then Mike Barr who wrote mm-hmm. Batman and the outsiders. Um, I was, uh, I, I really liked his talk. I, I like the way he, he talked about how he kind of got, how he still does stuff for DC, but they don't look at him favorably. He feels <laughs> because he mentioned, he keeps mentioning how Bill Finger also co-wrote or co-created Batman and, that kind of puts him on the outs of DC because of some different copyright and legal issues. Um, but I, I took his point about with some of these creators whose labor has been exploited, you know, it's always good to keep their memory alive. And so, I mean, that, that part was cool. Him talking about creating these characters and getting to see someone like Katana take on multiple incarnations was cool. Um, I did have some problems with the way he talked about, um, like you mentioned how when Jason Todd was transformed into this character who like jacked Batman's actually what was funny because we talked about this at lunch where yeah. we basically said <laughs> wouldn't Batman have some sort of um like what is it the mechanism that keeps you from undoing someone's um, like some sort a of lug lock. a lug a lock <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's right yeah, like, taking the wheels off <laughs> he, he said that, and none of you were there and I kept looking around I was like hey hey 
And I like looked at James. I looked over at James McGrath. And I'm like, hey, remember the? Oh, you weren't there. Sorry. Um, like no one was there to appreciate this comment. Um, but you know, he said that someone pointed out that he wrote Jason Todd very differently in his run. I forget if he was writing Batman or if he was writing Detective, but he was writing one. Someone else was writing the other. And in one comic, Jason Todd was the jerk that he sort of became after Crisis. And in uh, the one Barr was writing, Jason Todd was basically Dick Grayson. Mm. Yes. I I have some issue with that when creators are like, I don't think he should be this way. So I'm just going to say screw it to continuity and just do what I want. There's a little Tolkien, a little J.R. Tolkien inside of me that's like, no, you're and a little bit of Grant Morrison, too, where it's like you're maintaining the world. Be consistent, like create narrative consistency. Do your best to do it. Don't be the. Well, I'm just going to say screw it and do whatever I want. Like, yeah, you know, there, there was that part of me that uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of that. And then he talked about Young Justice and about how he doesn't like how one of his characters is being sort of absorbed into the fourth world mythos with the new gods and whatever. And for me, that was also one of those things where I was like, you know, this is how adaptations work. They can't tell 40 50 60 years worth of story so they have to combine elements in a way that makes narratival sense like yeah. those, some of those comments just struck me as odd or weird but like for the most part i like to talk yeah um i just for some of my listeners who aren't kind of up on all this stuff i was a little bewildered there was so much batman history and storylines that I had no idea what anybody was talking about at some points in many points in the, in the thing. Uh, when you're talking about Jason Todd, he's one of the, the Robins, right? And, and there are several um, panels about Robin as a character and various versions of Robin and everyone has their favorite Robin. There are other podcasters there whose entire podcast is about a particular Robin that they like <laughs> Tim Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? Everyone loves the yes. Drake or something like that. Tim, Tim Drake, the best, the best Robin. Yeah. They're right. They're correct. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that's what um, Matthew's referring to there. Um, and so, yeah, that for me was one. Uh, and I agree. Dan Mishkin, incidentally, the first guy you were talking about, the creator, he's a creator of Amethyst, I think is. Uh, Amethyst. And uh, and what was his Blue Devil, I think, is another uh, character mm-hmm. that, that he invented. I, I also found him really interesting in his, um, his kind of keynote address is what I saw. And his, um, I don't know, just behind the scenes insight into the business end of, of, creating comic books was just really interesting. It was very, um, I don't know, like meat and potatoes and, uh, and, and pragmatic and, and just, uh, it was fascinating to hear like an insider view. And when he talked about having worked with Steve Ditko and, and it was just kind of like, I felt like I was in the presence of, of, of a tradition sort of, and it, it was really cool. So, um, um, let's move on over to coil. Uh, what, what is some highlights for you coil? Yeah. Um, so it was, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of mixed on this. I think it was a weird conference in some ways, and in other ways, it was very much not a weird conference. So it was it was weird because it was a mix of academics and podcasters and comic book nerds. Yes, right. Uh, and that, I feel like that's not a normal uh, ac- uh, n- normal conference of any kind, but particularly not a normal. That's my academic. show every week, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> sure. That's true. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, it was, it, again, it was, it was at times I thought kind of disconcerting to listen to a, you know, a college professor, uh, talk about, you know, what, whatever, whatever academic thing he was, whatever paper he'd presented or whatever. And then the next person talking would be a podcaster, uh, who was literally doing an episode on the spot. And yeah. again, that was, uh, that, that it was, it was strange. Uh, and in another sense, I thought it was, it was not weird. It was kind of a normal conference, uh, which, which is uh, kind of refreshing for me. It's been a while since I've been to one of those. Uh, my my circles tend to be kind of uh, small liberal arts, uh, Christian, and private colleges, uh, and the conferences I get tend to go to tend not to be uh, the uh, the the more mainstream academic. So it was uh, it was in some ways refreshing to be at a conference where there were you know open Marxists uh, and and. I, <laughs> Uh, and that's actually that is uh, Coil uh, panel. Coil was taking names, by the way. So, um. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, you just admitted. Um, uh, and and actually, that's uh, that's one of the panels. So, so I, I agree with you guys. The uh, the the creator panels were were good, uh, and and probably the most interesting ones there. But since the, those have been taken already, you know, thanks, Matt. Uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the the panel uh, 
uh, the panel on the alt right, I thought was was interesting for for a couple of reasons. Uh, so it, uh, there was one of the panelists was an architect, which, as he himself pointed out, he you know uh, uh, he didn't really understand why he was on that panel, and it kind of seemed like <laughs> him somewhere so they put him there. Uh, the other two, one, one of the presenters <coughs> uh, was uh, uh, talking about the uh, the alt right and uh, how. Uh, uh, how terrible it is because of you know, its violence and and the the corruption of the world through its its destructive ideology and and darn it Batman does not belong to them uh, <laughs> apparently without any sense of irony or or any self awareness the other presenter other presenter on the panel uh, was the one of the avowed Marxists there so uh, uh, again it was uh, I was like you guys not sense the, the connection there, but. Again, it was it was it was interesting to to sit and kind of listen to because uh, uh, again this this we this this desire to we have this thing that we love and we don't want the other side to have it and I, I mean everyone has that right that's 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 absolutely everyone uh, so it was it was interesting to see people kind of publicly thinking through that and talking through it and uh, bringing scholarship to the table with that and so on. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I really enjoyed. Um the political, I suppose, discourse that went around, uh, the, uh, the whole, the whole conference, there were, um, very serious sort of political issues, uh, that were, that were raised and, 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 and the debates I thought were, were interesting ones. And, uh, and I was actually a little surprised in some cases that it didn't get more political. Um, but, uh, I guess that's because there was a mixture of sort of non-academics there as well, but yeah, yeah. it was a small group. And I think it's, it's just hard to, uh, and and this is a good thing, but I, I think it is hard to have screaming fights with when there's only you know forty people in the room, yeah. uh, and and they're all listening to one or two people talk. And and I think they they were they pointed out that they intentionally keep these these sorts of conferences small, uh, and I, I think that is the right call. Um, I mean, you you could see something like this blowing up and getting out of control, and that being maybe good for the university to have a larger conference, uh, but better for the conference uh for the health of the conference and for the discussions and so on that go on uh but yeah my i, I guess uh, and i'd be interested to know what you guys think about this kind of my my feeling uh of the uh the political conversations that were going on and maybe this is just my stereotype of academics and my stereotype of of comic book fans but kind of my my feeling was it was kind of a progressive liberal uh conversing with libertarian type situation like that, that was kind of my, on, yeah, the, the bulk of the conversations when there was on occasion disagreement, uh, it was kind of libertarians and progressive liberals. Like those were the two camps, but again, I might just be sort of stereotyping comic book fans and, and academics there. So. Hmm. That's a, did you say you agreed with that, Mav? Mav, did you hear me? I'm back. I, I missed the last 10 seconds of audio. I'm oh. back now. Oh, did you did you agree with Coyle's point about um, progressive liberals and libertarians? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> I, I found it odd because, I mean, uh, I agree with him. It wasn't as political as you might think it was. I think there's a I think there's a general love of Batman just bringing us all together that, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that I, that I think, um, was, was part of it. Um, I made a joke during our panel that, you know, and it's actually not even a joke joke. It's really true. I'm actually not that huge a Batman fan for somebody who studies comic books for a living. And <laughs> is at a Batman conference? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, like, I'm, I'm here for Robins. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fan of the world around Batman. So, but there, there is a sense that 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 Batman sort of brings this all together. But I think there's also a sense that um, it, there, there's a point where we read into every character what we want to read into them. I mean, uh, Coyle, I think you you hinted at this during our show. You know, that there there is a you know, is Batman liberal? Is Batman conservative? Well, it depends on who's reading them. You know, <laughs> like like it, um, it, even in the same story. And I think what Matt was saying, you know, about about Barr saying, well, that's not my Dick, oh, not Dick, that's not my Jason Todd. Those are, there's a sense where creators do that. There's a sense where, where fans do that. And what I liked about the conference was that even with the, I'll agree with Coyle that there, it wasn't, it wasn't a left versus right. It was very much a liberal academic versus libertarian academic. That is a very, and, and I'm throwing the academic word on both of them because I think that's very important. 
um, in you know for that very specific subcultural um, political ideology. But it was it was a very academic disagreement between and very nuanced. And then that took a backseat to sort of arguing about the essence of what is Batman. You know, there 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 was a there was a little bit of essentializing there, which I think I think the smallness of the conference made that um, that possible in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, and it was I think quite collegial. Um, I I didn't detect any kind of vitriol or anything in any questioning or anything like that. Anything oh, I no. saw. No, no, no. And so that, that was nice. Um, yeah. Um, I, I guess, um, Mav, why don't you follow up then? And, um, uh, I'll kind of, I don't really have my favorite things. Um, well, Michigan, I thought was great. I actually think, uh, just to follow up slightly on more on what Matt was saying. One of the things that's interesting about having Michigan and bar on the same at the, not on the same panel, but they, they both get keynote. So at the same conferences, they have, you talked about the, you know, the tokenesque, this is my world kind of thing. And Barr is, um, he's, he's kind of an old school comic guy in that respect where he's like, well, you know, he really wants, he wants the preciousness of his creation, except that when you're doing, when you're working for Marvel or DC, um, you are, and obviously if you're writing Batman, you're working for DC, you are not creating your own creation you're adding to an ongoing mythology and this is, this goes into a lot of the work that i do you don't own that nobody owns that batman belongs to us all as readers and as creators so you know yeah your jason todd's not the one that's from later and and his katana is not the one that's on the young justice te television show his um his katana and his, his halo and that's just how it's going to be and mishkin has more of my philosophy in that Michigan talked during his talk, he was very clear to sort of differentiate between his creations like Amethyst, of which I am a huge fan. Amethyst is a, I mean, I'm talking to people who aren't as big comic book nerds as me, but it's a brilliant concept. And he acknowledged that there was a revamp of it that he didn't like as much. And then he's like, but there's another revamp that I do. I didn't write either of those. Yeah, you know, it was work for hire, and he knows, and he knows that he yeah. he he seems to be able to appreciate it for appreciate it as a fan, which is interesting given that he knows that he's actually the creator, so he has to let go of the preciousness of owning this creation and then appreciate it as a fan, and he seemed to be able to do that. And then he talked to his you know his creator owned stuff, which is nowhere near as popular, but that he knows is just his baby, something that he can that he can control, and it is just him. So I found him interesting. And then the other person that I found most interesting, just because to name somebody that nobody else did, is Jeff Brown, who is a professor at Bowling Green. Yeah, I was going to mention and, him. I really like that talk. Yeah. Yeah, and partially the reason I went back to grad school. Um, really? I, which I told, which I told him, I read his book, uh, before I went back, he uh, read, well, actually I've read several of his books at this point to build on his research a little bit. Um, I've cited him, but he wrote a book several years ago called, um, milestone or it, it's on the milestone comics universe. And it's about characters like icon and static and, uh, characters from this universe of it's a superhero universe with characters who are predominantly of color mm -hmm. um so mostly black there's a few that aren't and it's um and static is the one that's probably most popular because it's the one that got a cartoon but um but also but there were others icon is essentially superman but under the story of what if what if superman's rocket had landed in slave times and he looked like a black guy and now it's 200 years later mm -hmm. so he so so he's an immortal being who's essentially got superman powers but he's he's interesting in that he is a you know he was raised by a, a slave mother and freed and now it's 2002 or whatever year the book came out in um and he is a you know he's he is a black Republican because he gained political agency at a time when the Republicans were fleeing, freeing the slaves. And so that's where he stayed with. Mm. So um, and his sidekick is a 18, 19 year old girl born, you know, not a mortal. And she and he have lots of uh, lots of um, lots of political disagreements about uh, 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 that you might expect at that time era. 
anyway, fascinating book. And Brown wrote a book about that. And then he wrote a bunch of books about gender and action movies and superheroes. And that's one of the things that t- kind of taught me, hey, I can do the kinds of stuff I like to talk about with popular culture rather than with, um, you know, classically in, in English lit studies, as, as Danny will attest, most of our colleagues probably work with Jane Austen or, or Faulkner or Dickens. And then I'm the guy going, I want to read Batman, you know, <laughs> like, like that, like that, that's like my whole gimmick. I was like, what can I do with pro wrestling or, or, you know, and like, you know, I want to do some, some weird stuff. And Brown's the one who, you know, sort of, Oh, you have a career. You can do weird stuff, and that's that's how I learned about like PCA, Popular Culture Association, and going to Batman conferences and stuff. So, so he was fun for me to meet, as well as just see his talk, which was, I mean, you said you're going to talk about it, but um, he was talking more about the culture of Batman uh, rather than an individual arc or issue or anything, which I, which is the kind of thing I find fascinating. How does this character that's been around for eighty years affect what, you know, I, I mean, eighty years is a long mythology. Um, that's a massively long publication history for a single character to undergo. And Batman is so popular that, you know, everyone's got a Batman t-shirt as he pointed out in the nineties, people were shaving the bat signal into the side of their heads. You know, that was a, that was a, that was a thing that happened and that's a massive cultural influence. So I found him, I found him super engaging, but to be fair, I was a fanboy to start, which is, you know, you talk about being a nerd. I'm, I'm such a nerd that I had, that I'm a fanboy of, of certain academics, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah. D- Dr. Jeffrey Brown, his um, presentation or his keynote address was one of my, uh, one of the things in general I intended to enjoy about the conference were studies of Batman that were not like laudatory, but rather kind of critical of like underlying ideologies. And, and his was focused on um, the way Batman's, narratives tend to and there's always going to be exceptions right um, but they mm-hmm. tend to reassert very kind of um patriarchal structures hegemonic, with him at hegemonic the t- masculinity yes yes with him at the top of, of that right and so when there are um competing mothers they tend to be um, painted in very bad light um and so uh it, it was a really interesting way in which uh fatherhood was ex- it was explored in a rather critical way um but still one mm-hmm. that appreciates batman um, it was it was very interesting talking about how wonderful Batman is, and then the rest of the the talk ended up <laughs> criticizing kind of a a tendency in Batman, and so I, I found that that talk to be really kind of illuminating um, in a lot of ways, um, and so yeah, um, um, Matthew, you look like you were going to follow up with something there. Um, did you have something to say? No, nope. <laughs> sorry, we're on Skype and we're all in tiny little boxes. I thought Matthew was wanting to jump in there, so I actually did want to add up on the fatherhood thing. Though. Yeah, yeah. What I found. There's a meme, and I and I wish I'd I wish I'd actually asked Brown if he'd seen it. There's a meme um, um, go, that goes around where it's um it's uh they're pictures from um from the Young Justice cartoon show, and it says and it's like um it's got a picture of uh, Martian Manhunter and Ms. Martian after a mission hugging, and it's like mentor hug, and um, then it's a picture of uh, Superman and and Wonder Woman patting Superboy and Wonder Girl on the shoulder, and mentor, uh, mentor pat on the shoulder, and then it's a um, picture of Batman looking at all the, you know, Nightwing and Robin and Batgirl, and he's just like, <laughs> just nods his head, and 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 it's and it, and the slogan just says, "Okay, see you later then." And and one and one of the points is Batman, and this is sort of what what Brown, what Brown got to, you know, he didn't just this meme at all he talked a lot about sort of the weird dichotomy of batman where he is this stoic he is generally painted as this stoic father this all-encompassing you know the kind of the the kind of father from the 50s where the kids don't call him dad they call him sir all the time you know like that kind of that kind of staunch authoritarian character and yet brown went through and just pointed out batman gives a surprising amount of hugs yeah (laughs) <laughs> there he just had all these pictures of he's constantly hugging Damien and Dick and Tim and um his he, he um, Brown talked to the uh, to the fact that Batman has surrogate daughters as well who patriarchally aren't as important as the boys mm-hmm. but there is still there is still some affection there for uh, for Cassandra and for Carrie Kelly when she exists and for Stephanie so I found the I found those interesting 
Yeah, yeah, uh, me too. And, and I think that, um, like I said, one of the other things that stood out to me, and I think he made this point, but a number of other papers did too. We have this image of Batman as the kind of lone Avenger of the night, always by himself, right? And yet um, people demonstrated how he actually has the largest like family uh, mm-hmm. that he's associated with, with all the characters that are offsprings. And so it was a really, I mean, his paper and, and many others, I think, did a great job of um, oh, it's sort of like teasing out uh, kind of things that are not obvious about Batman. And I feel like I learned a lot about the character himself. Um, in addition to all the, the storylines that I had no idea existed and I feel hopeless, <laughs> hopelessly behind about, and I'll never catch up with. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and so um, a couple things that stood out to me, um, and then maybe I'll, I'll spin it back to you guys for any kind of other thoughts that you have before we close out. Um, I really um, enjoyed um, a couple of uh, panels and look for a couple of subsequent um, episodes. I've contacted a few people who have agreed to come on the show in the next few weeks to uh, to discuss what they were talking about. Um, uh, one guy, um, Angelo, he did this really interesting uh, paper about using kind of Batman to teach uh, like citizenship and, uh, and 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 civics, basically. Uh, and he had a really great um, like kind of practical pedagogical lesson about how to incorporate the Batman universe into teaching people about citizenship and, uh, and, and it had a creative aspect to it. And, and, um, and it was a really, uh, I think kind of useful paper. Uh, and he, and he talked about Batman in a way, cause we always think about him as this kind of lone vigilante. Uh, but there's a way in which you can use him, uh, to teach, you know, collective citizenry. Right. And so I think that that was, uh, th- that was actually pretty interesting. And, um, Sam Cowling, uh, when we, f- I first got there, he had been, I had already started his paper and I didn't get a chance to talk to him in person. Uh, but he, he did a really interesting paper about, um, Batman and horror. And, and if superhero comics are kind of reconcilable with the horror genre and, and he sort of cast some doubt on, uh, this, this is just like a structural incompatibility <laughs> according to, uh, to his paper and, and, you know, me and I love horror. And, uh, and so I was very, uh, really fascinated with that. And so, um, I've asked him to come on the show and, uh, and, and kind of, uh, recap that a bit. And so I look forward to talking to them. But, um, in addition to that, I really got to say, um, and this is not because he's on the show right now, but Matthew's Matthew was on two panels, uh, uh like mm-hmm. in a row. Were you on two in a row actually? There was an hour between or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so between between all the teaching, he's writing two papers to present. Um, and, and I really thought both of them were great. You uh, were on a panel with um, Joshua Wise, um, who I hope to get on the show at some point, uh, talk about his work with apocalyptic narratives. But um, but uh, uh, I really enjoyed the, the theological um, exploration of uh, of above Batman in both of those papers and, and you're Matthew, you particularly talked about um, Grant Morrison. Um, and, and I thought that that was just a, um, a fascinating um, paper. And I think Joshua also, did he talk about the uh, uh, Arkham Asylum uh, serious house on serious earth? Uh, uh, I, I feel like the answer is yes. Okay. I can't remember. He didn't have slides, but he did a really good job talking, but I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, so that was to me really illuminating. Um, I don't know if you want to just sort of um, um, follow up a little bit about that panel, and then I want to talk about Nietzsche for a little bit too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wrote these two papers. Uh, one was uh, for the theology panel I did with Josh, and I wrote about uh, evil as it's represented, and specifically in Grant Morrison's Batman run, as a type of deprivation of the good and. Uh, which is sort of the the view of Augustine and Aquinas, Karl Barth, these theologians who, uh, rather than having a competing power with God, evil is merely seen as a corruption of what God has created. Mm. Uh, and so I talked about that in uh, the character of Dr. Simon Hurt and Batman R.I.P., uh, Dark Side and Final Crisis. I mean, this was all Grant Morrison stuff. Yeah, using the, uh, the then, image of the uh, whole, this, right? Uh, I thought that I thought that yeah. was just fascinating. Yeah, the, the whole, which actually, that paper I, I actually wrote, I actually finished writing it the night before, and it was the one I was <laughs> least excited about. Typical academic uh, style. <laughs> yes. It was it was the one I was least excited about and least prepared to give, but I think of the two, I think it was the one I enjoyed giving the most. Mm. 
Um, and then the other one was the uh, Joker as Ubermensch talking about um, res- responding to this essay from uh, the early 2000s by a friend of mine and James's, Charles Robinson, who uh, wrote this essay on Batman as the Ubermensch. And I just called him to question certain things like Batman's moral code and um, the way that he, he he's fueled by resentment or re- resentment. And how that sort of like that keeps him from being what Nietzsche thinks of as the Ubermensch. And so I said, I think the Joker is a lot closer to that for a number of reasons I lay out. And actually, that talk, I think James is going to post that on his religion prof blog. Oh, oh great. And, or as a podcast or something. So that'll actually be available at some point. But. Oh, that Chris. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I recorded that and sent it to him. So yeah. He yeah. He does have it. <laughs> yeah. That was. Um, yeah. So cool. James McGrath uh, it was was there as well. And uh, and oh, actually, just as we're talking, Joshua Wise just emailed me back. So maybe he will be on the show. Um, <laughs> I just got the. Uh, yes. Da- yes, Danny. I'd love to. So. Um, so look for a Joshua Wise episode sometime. Uh at, at, I find I re, I find out and I report to you. Um, but the uh, uh, James McGrath's uh, work, I, I'd heard of him. I'd I'd followed his work before, so it was really neat to meet him in person. And yeah, you guys had this really interesting kind of dialogue uh, pa- panel that dealt with Nietzschean um, undertones, and I thought that it was just fascinating. And there was some German guy uh, I will never be able to produce his name. He had given another paper early in the day about Nietzsche, and you guys had a really interesting kind of debate about. Uh, who is the who is the Ubermensch between Batman and, and yes. the Joker? And I just want to say, I I mean, whoever's right, it doesn't matter. That's like when conferences are at their best, right? When you have that kind of mm-hmm. um, post mortem, you know, uh, friendly kind of discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I really feel like podcasts that I like to listen to look like the question and answer period after a paper, right? Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that that was a that was a really good example of that. And so you guys had a really interesting. Um, back and forth dialogue yeah, yeah he yeah he was really cool and like i mean he said things to me and i was like yeah no that's a good point and i brought up some issues to him and he's like yeah yeah you're right <laughs> like, <laughs> like we had that really cool that cool element there uh fun side note when we did eat at campus polyoys i had intended just to read my paper but to like try to be like, like <laughs> exciting when i did and uh and, and then mav and then Mav, uh, because of Mav, I put together a PowerPoint presentation, which was really no no words, just images <laughs> that I wanted to show throughout my talk. Uh, per Mav's comments, that like, look, if you're reading a paper, I can read. What? Why is it important that you're the one who's there presenting it? And so I was like, okay, I have to make this sexy now and <laughs> images or whatever. So thank you, Mav, for that. Well, that is a, a it, real. It helps, though, doesn't. Oh, it does. It helps, though, doesn't it? It's fun. I that's I I I'll be fair. I will credit give credit where credit's due. I stole that when I was um in a former life before in you know I've had many many jobs. It's been has been talked about before on I think on Danny's show, but also on mine. Um, I used to be a software designer, and at one point I went to a um not a conference. It's, uh, it's like a six hour keynote. It's a class, but it's really just it's just this guy lecturing at you for six hours by a guy named Edward Tufty. Edward Tufty is a world famous designer who's known for, well, he's known for three things. He's one of the foremost names in human computer interaction, which is what I used to do. Um, he hates PowerPoint and writes many, many essays about how PowerPoint is a horrible thing. <laughs> and the first time the space shuttle blew up, he's the guy they called in to figure out what was wrong. Mm-hmm. So he's a really bright guy. So um, Tufty gives this talk on, I hate PowerPoint, but if you're going to use it, use it like this. And it's six hours long and it costs you a couple thousand dollars to go. And where I worked for where I worked was like, hey, we have this professional development budget. What, you know, if um, if you want to do something, what would you do? And it's like, I want to go to this. So I went and I saw him speak. And that was one of the first things he said. He said he goes to, you know, he's he's a very crotchety old man. He's brilliant, (laughs) but he's but this is a I mean. Again, I'm a huge fan, but he's the guy, and we've all met the, met him because not him, but like this person because we were all in academia. He's the guy who's been in academia thirty years too long. Yeah, like he <laughs> he, he he was over it thirty years ago after twenty years. Yeah. Like so, so he's a very cranky um, old man at this point, and he actually walks into the room and he says, "I hate PowerPoint," and the reason I hate PowerPoint is because the way people use PowerPoint is they do a presentation and it's just whatever you're reading on a slide and you have you know slide and it's exactly what you're reading and he says he goes 
I've got four degrees. I can read. I read really well. If I walk into your room and I see you giving a presentation and after your second slide, all you've said is what's on the slide, I will stand up. I will interrupt your pro uh, your, um, power your PowerPoint presentation. I will give you your email, my email address and tell you to mail me the presentation and then I will walk out. <laughs> because <laughs> he's like, I can read. I don't need you to read to me. Um, he said, what I need for you to do is I need to get something from you here that I can't get by reading the paper by myself. So your slides need to add value. Having you in front of the room needs to add value over me just reading the paper in the journal. Yeah. And I was like, that's a, that's a really good point. And that changed my life. And every presentation that I've done since then has been, you know, it, it helped me as a professional wrestler, it helped me as a, a um, as a podcast host, it helped me as an academic, because I thought, you know, he's right. He's mean, but he's right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you know, if you're taking the time to show up at and these conferences are not cheap for any for any listeners who have not been to them, they cost money. You, you know, they cost money to register for and they cost money to travel to and you're paying for a hotel. If I'm paying several hundred to a thousand dollars essentially to come and see you talk to me, then it needs to be something that I can't get just by going to my library and reading your and reading your your article. So so I try to add some value, whether it's humor or whether it's additional things that aren't in the printed paper. You know, what what am I getting by seeing you there? And yeah. and then I felt bad because, you know, I gave Matt a bunch of work in order to do that. But great. He did a good job with it. <laughs> And and I, great. and I kept saying, you know, this conference actually was pretty good about people having yes. either either speaking extemporaneously as Joshua Wise did. I'm like amazed at someone's ability to just get up in front of people and talk without notes or anything. I am nowhere near the capacity to do that. Um, and so that was just impressive to watch. Um, or um, they were. Uh, papers that were written as speeches, right? And so they, they're relatable. There were some that were the traditional English, I'm going to read my paper to you. Um, right. and, and it's always so frustrating to me because we're the ones who teach rhetoric. We should know, we should be the ones who know better than that, right? But we're the worst at doing it. And so uh, this was a great conference in, in kind of getting over that, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, Comics makes it a little easier because you've got pictures to point at. Yes. Like, and, and and I've been to, you know, we were just, again, we were just at PCA and about half the papers didn't have presentations. And I'm like, you're talking about comics. Like, why are you just reading? It's yeah. a visual art form. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And every time I go to one of these, though, I'm also rem reminded of that one Sandman story about the serial convention with the it's a uh, serial killers coming together to kind of swap <laughs> trade secrets and stuff. And uh, and there's oh the Corinthian. Was that his name? The uh, the kind of yeah. god of serial killers or something. Um, uh, he's there. And basically, I don't it was uh Sometimes I think that that was written. I actually wrote a paper that I delivered at a conference in which I said that I think this is Neil Gaiman poking fun at academics um, and so <laughs> and, and resisting uh, being you know digested by academics. And so um, but uh, I have a personal anxiety about going to academic conferences. I, I really uh, feel out of place uh, amongst academics just culturally and with my ability to speak and um, never feeling like I've, I've, I know enough. Um, and there was a little bit of that. I, I felt like I've met a few of the people that drive me crazy and that make me feel really terrible about myself. Um, but for the most part, this didn't give me that. Sorry, answer. Danny. No, yeah, it was, it was all coil. Yes. <laughs> it was all coil. Um, yeah. Uh, but for the most Please, part, Neil, <laughs> Yeah, Neil, get it right. Neil, yeah. Uh, for the most part, this conference didn't fall into that. Um, I felt like it was really collegial and, and really kind of a fun um, uh, just place to get to know new people. And, and I really enjoyed that. Um, Quill, uh, what do you have to add um, to what we've been talking about here? Yeah, I've just been enjoying sitting and listening to you guys talk because, <laughs> like I said, I, 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 I feel like I am the uh, – the not nerdy one on this topic. And again, that's, that's, uh, it's, that, that's not a complaint. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying learning. Uh, I, I've, I've, uh, certainly come away with a lot of comic books that 
given time and opportunity, I'll, I'll pick up and read. Uh, I, I, I suppose we should at least mention the one, one of the ones that I learned about that was most surprising. Apparently there is a Batman Elmer Fudd crossover. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it, it is. So. It is absolutely amazing book. Um, I, I cannot, <laughs> um, I, I can speak to that a little bit. DC comics is owned by Warner brothers. Um, <laughs> Warner brothers owns, you know, owns the, the bugs bunny cartoon library. Um, and, and has for, for quite some time, um, at some point, a couple of years ago, DC decided we are going to have crossovers between DC characters and several, um, uh, of the cartoon characters. And the books are usually split. There's a, the first half of the book is a serious book where they try to bring the cartoon character into the DC world. So there's a very serious dark Right. Elmer Fudd in the Batman world, and in the second half, the um, they do a silly version where it's Batman running around the Bugs Bunny world, <laughs> right, like like um, Batman and Scooby Doo, right? The, the more yeah, famous. Yes, I just I just um, bought my daughter one of those Batman Scooby Doo crossover books. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so there is a Batman Scooby Doo one as well. So they were doing these, and some of them, most of them are interesting, but not good. You know, it's just like, okay, I guess you're doing your thing. There's one with, um, <laughs> there's one that teams up Catwoman and Sylvester the cat from, you know, Sylvester and Tweety. And, and oh, it's Catwoman and Black Canary and Sylvester and Tweety. And it's not good. It's kind of, okay, you're doing something interesting, I guess. The Batman one, they took seriously and they just wrote it as though Elmer Fudd had been this dark character that was in the Batman universe <laughs> all along. And, Oh my God, is it good? <laughs> it should be, but you—if you read it, if you get a chance to pick it up somewhere, it is amazing. And you go, "What? I should not be enjoying this as much as I have." It is dark and serious and fascinating, and it may be canon, um, as they pointed out. <laughs> like it's been alluded to in later Batman comics, just not not in detail, but slightly. So it may actually be a canon part of the Batman universe. It was really Elmer Fudd who killed Jason Todd, right? Um. <laughs> uh, so very, not quite, but close enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm really happy to have you guys on to sort of recap it. It was a it, it was a, a cool enough experience. I, I wanted to kind of do something with it for the show. Um, and, and I suspect there'll be um, some spinoffs uh, still to come from this. And uh, and so, yeah, you can have that to look forward to um, if you like, because there's a lot of really interesting work being done in popular culture. And, and I think it's a, it's a lot of valuable work. And so um, do either of you guys, any of you guys have anything um, else you want to add? No, nope. I, I look forward to doing a Robin conference soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I would can, love that actually. You can put it on, um, uh, uh, Matthew. While I have you on the air, tell us a little bit about Theocon. Um, I think that uh, that's a really interesting thing, and, and you'll uh, I suspect hear more about that in the future here, in the near future. Yeah. So uh, the first Theocon was held last year. It was a conference that was held at Virginia Theological Seminary uh, to talk about the intersection of theology and popular culture. Um, it's run by uh, Reverend Shana, uh, Shana Watson, who you all met mm -hmm. uh, when we were there at lunch. Uh, she's an Episcopal priest in Harrisburg. Um, this year we're having it at Messiah College in part because it's at it's closer to Harrisburg and to uh, Virginia Theological Seminary's having some renovations done. So um, but we're looking at having some speakers. We're trying to get, um, a David Lewis, okay. um, and one or two others mm. to come. Uh, we're also, um, actually right now, I believe the call for, um, panels is up our fun fundamentals panels. So <laughs> we are, um, uh, we, we are, uh, uh, th so that calls open. I think me and Shana talked about making it until the 15th. Um, but we are looking for people from, to talk about various elements of pop culture. Um, it is not just for academics. So like the Batman conference, me and Shana were actually having an extended conversation the other day where we're looking for maybe some podcasters to come, maybe record some live episodes. Fellas. Yeah. I, hey, uh, I'm down. Messiah is not that far from me. So, uh, so we're looking for, uh, any type of fan engagement that somehow combines 
theology and religion with pop culture. So um, it's it's pretty wide open. Uh, I unfortunately I don't have. I'll be posting a link to the um, submission site with that information to my website soon because I don't have it in front of me right now. Okay. Um, and that you can just go to popularcultureandtheology.com and I'll I should have it up in the next few days. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. I'm really happy to, to hear that. And then I think you're talking about the next year having it in Pittsburgh. And, and so um, uh, potentially there's there's some uh, um, uh, uh, interesting things happening on this front. I just wanted to, to let you know about that. Um, fellas, thank you so much. Um, if you want to hear what um, Coyle and, uh, and Mav and I did with the whiteness uh, and Batman panel, there is a uh, um, they're both up right now uh, on uh, both the Vox podcast and the City of Man podcast podcast. So you can listen to me bumble around as usual. And uh, and uh, and if you have anything to say, let them know about it because it's on their shows. And so um, anyway, but no, I, I would love to hear anyway. So um, guys, thank you so much. It was uh, first of all, really, I'm you know Matt Mav and I you know go back far enough. I've met him a few times, but it was really great meeting you both in person, um, Coyle and Matthew. And so it was uh, it was a fun time. Let's, uh, let's try and keep this kind of thing going. And, uh, and those of you who are out there listening to this show, um, take a look at, around at uh, pop culture and theology. There's a lot of uh, really neat intersections going on there. And so uh, uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff for you to explore if you're just curious enough to do it. So for, again, no closing music either today. Uh, so for Chris Maverick, uh, Coyle Neal, and Matthew Brake, my name is Danny Anderson. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sectarian Review Podcast.